Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Uh, pretty fun weekend all around. Did uh, did my mom's birthday dinner on uh, Friday night, so that, that was a little bit of fun. Um, got out to an IMAX theater to check out Dune, which in all honesty is just an absolute spectacle of a movie. Um, even if you even if you don't enjoy the storyline, it's just freaking awesome to look at. Um, so like, yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and then uh, you know a little bit of Halloween stuff, and obviously uh, some uh, some great uh, some great rugby. Man, did you uh, d- did you do anything for Halloween? Did you get like dressed up as anything here? We didn't talk about Halloween at all in the last episode, so I feel like we have I to, know I know we're like we've missed the opportunity. I did the smartest thing that anyone does when it comes to Halloween is. I bought all my Halloween candy on November 1st. So uh, I, I made a joke um, to my girlfriend that it's like Halloween's my favorite holiday because it's all f- just because of all the candy. And then November 1st as National Discount Candy Day is my second favorite holiday. <laughs> so I, I'm totally yeah. I'm totally with you on that one. Fair enough. Well, we've got a, f- a little bit of news this week. We've got nothing about the arrows, unfortunately, but uh, we do have the return of women's rugby. And the emergence of this new competition format called the Pacific Four Series. Now, Pacific Four Series will begin in full next year. It will include uh, New Zealand, Australia, and the two teams that played this week, USA and Canada. Um, So this is called the Pacific Four Series, but only two teams are playing. So, you know, false advertising. But, you know, World Rugby, you know, they change the laws every year. Sure, they can... (laughs) change the name and team number anyway um so last night we are recording on tuesday the 2nd of november um we had the first ever pacific four series game and this is the first of a double header this week between the usa and canada um the result of the first game was canada 15 the usa 9 the second game is due to take place on november 5th and like we said, this is the return of women's international rugby for the USA and Canada in two years now. And uh, we were able to watch this game. It was on uh, the TSN app or tsn.ca. And it was, you know, I think that the caliber of playing wasn't as high, but I think we can all, you know, let that go considering, as I said, it's been two years since these women have been playing test rugby. Of course, they should have been playing in the World Cup this year, mm. but that has been delayed now until 2022. Um, you know, obviously, great to see Canada winning. And in Colorado, of all places, gone. this is such, so, so strange to see Canada I mean, on the winning they, side. They used, to w- they used to win in Colorado a lot. It's just yeah. recent years. Yeah, keyword used to. Also, used the women. To. It's also the women's team. They win. Yeah, they so, win in Colorado quite often. That's, um, they so win. I, they win anywhere quite often. Yeah, Actually, I don't even well, know. You, you don't get. You don't get to third in the world by losing a lot of games. So, <laughs> um, I've got to say, uh, you know, some absolutely amazing performance. It is well. First of all, it was just great to see uh, rugby in general, as always. Um, I think that uh, two of the players that started out were the uh, try scorers. So that was Renee Gonzalez and the number seven, Karen Paquin. Uh, you know, um, speaking of seven, playing in the sevens herself. So, you know, she'd been playing in the um, women's sevens in Canada earlier this year. So, you know, moving into 15s, scoring a try, not a bad way to get back into uh women's game also notable mentioned those were the only tries scored so the usa didn't score a try in this game they did uh score three penalties and at one point they were close to uh narrowing the gap i think it was 9 12 was a close to got before the boot of sophie de goody um resumed that lead to six points and there were instances where i feel like both teams could have scored a try and just put the game away. But like I said, it's been two years since either team has played in a competitive uh, test match. So, you know, there were a lot of handling errors that came about. There were a few intercepts, which uh, the USA got, and no head in my hands going like, come on, how do you miss that? But 
you know, I'm willing, I'm willing to let it slide this time. Next time, not so much. But this time, I'm okay with it. And obviously, winning, that is definitely something that cushions a blow of maybe Make giving noise. away an intercept pass. Um, but no, I thought that it was a genuinely enjoyable game to watch. Derek, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, I thought it was a it was a very entertaining rugby game. I thought, um, like you said, it's like I think I think both teams there's like those slight execution errors that I think can be, you know, it's the first game in two years back. I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting you know the greatest rugby game ever played or anything, but um, you know, I think both teams. I think I know honestly, both teams can probably be happy with certain elements of it. There's certainly pot even you know in the loss. I think the USA can take some positives out of the game. Mm-hmm. Canada, I think, can take a lot of positives out of it too. I thought, you know, throughout the the course of the game, I thought they were, you know, in the first half they were certainly the better team and stuff, and then the second half the defense had to kind of shine a little bit as a uh, USA sort of applied some pressure. Um, I mean, you know, to start, we we can tie in the I think talk about that defense and stuff. Um, I thought this game, like defensively, I thought you know they were they were brilliant defensively. Um, right. Like obviously, you know, you have a lot of players, like you said, like the goody, um, who came off the bench in this game, um, because, um, you know, uh, Janice Slavinsky got, unfortunately got injured in just the fourth minute. So the plan is also the goody was forced into the game super early and ended up, um, making most out of that time because she, you know, she put in the, uh, the player, the match performance in this game, um, but I thought like, you know, part of that was, I thought she was brilliant. She made a lot of tackles, got really stuck in, was at the breakdown a lot. Um, d- you know, did really well in just all sort of facets of the game, including kicking, um, which continues to be my absolute favorite part about watching the uh, women's 15 side. It's just the fact that a back row player uh, is the one that kicks all the goals. It's awesome. It's like my favorite thing in pro rugby at the moment. Um but you know, I thought like I thought too, like the Marchman, um, Tuatasi, um, Holt Camp, I thought all played very well in this game. Um, you mentioned uh, you know, Pacquin and um score, uh, with the score the try, Renee Gonzalez obviously try on debut. That's awesome too. Um, you know, I thought you know, Tessier and Miller, I thought were working together pretty well as that nine ten combination for that. I said the 10 9, I guess, in the order that I said those names, but the uh the nine ten combination there. Um I thought like, you know, it's, it's nice to see, like, I thought the first try I thought was awesome. Cause it was, uh, you know, like you said, it was, you know, the defense in this game, I thought kind of stood out to me a, a, quite a bit. And, was, and obviously at the first try of the game, it was created off a, a brilliant Courtney Holt camp um, breakdown steal that Brianna Miller just kind of saw the gap immediately took a quick tap instead of waiting. And the backs just kind of took off down the pitch and, you know, the, you know, a lot of players, a lot of players ended up touching the ball in the back row as the ball continued to kind of move down, move down the pitch. And, you know, any if the you know, when the tackles were made, the support stuff was there to keep the ball moving quickly. And, you know, eventually just ended up in the hands of Renee Gonzalez, who anytime a player scores a try in their international test debut is, you know, it's just simply awesome. So, you know, that that was a great, great way to like start the game or I guess I may not start the game, but like. Um, 18 minutes into the game. So, yeah, it was a good start, right? You get on the board first. Um, I thought, too, like the the second try, too, I thought was also excellent. Not necessarily created by the defense, but they had the, you know, the line out. And then the, the initial mall was stopped. And they brought all the forwards in. They tried picking goes. And it's just the thing that impressed impressed me the most about this try was just the level of patience that was on display by the Canadian team, right? Which was just, you know, they get to the line. It's the pick, you know, pick and go a couple times, right? It's going, it's going nowhere. Full credit to the USA defense, you know, Washington, Zachary, um, the entire team as a whole um, was just, you know, constantly making their hits, um, you know, making sure Canada couldn't get through that gain line, um, couldn't just couldn't push the ball quite over that try line. It was like every tackle just on point. They were staying on side. They weren't committing penalties. Um, just excellent defense from the U- United States. And, you know, 
Canada. Eventually, Miller tries to go out wide. That gets stopped. They try some other pick and goes against, but everybody just stays patient and just kind of like is, you know, they're obviously, you know, you're knocking on the door right now. And, you know, they tried to go out wide again. And again, that got stopped. And then they kept the pick and goes and they tried to go out. You know, they went back to the backs and that got stopped. And eventually Karen Paquin found herself kind of a little isolated or not isolated, but a little like left alone and was able to find a gap in that USA defense. And I mean, it took like a good like three, four minutes to break it down. And it took like, I don't even know how many phases. Um, It was a lot like, I don't know, 20, 25, 30, maybe I have no idea. I don't I didn't actually count, but it was a lot. But it was just the patience of you know, everybody on the team to just kind of like, okay, the, the combination of just like, all right, the pick and go is not working. Let's try going out wide. Okay. That didn't work. Let's go back, try to suck in some defenders. Okay. Let's try wide again. Still not working. Let's suck in more defenders. Let's go wide again. And eventually, you know, they were able to score and it was a great, I thought it was just a great phase of play and obviously a huge momentum builder as uh, you know, the end of the half neared. Um, But I think like, again, though, back to, like you said, there's a couple, a couple errors, you know, here and there through the game. But I think overall, if I'm like, uh, if I'm Sandro Farino, like it's, you know, any game where your defense doesn't allow a try is a good thing. You know, so I think, you know, the defense played very well. Um, USA had a couple opportunities that all kind of got shut down. Um, you probably gave up a few more penalties than you would desire. Um, and obviously Foster made them pay for those. Um, she had a pretty good, um, kicking night went three for four. Um, as you kind of said, it was like Foster's kicking was really the only thing that was kind of keeping the USA in the game early. Um, I think though, like the end of the game, I think has got a little rough, like the defense kind of, uh, the defense held, held their ground, but there was, you know, there was a lot of chances with the, the USA had with the ball, but I think overall, I think you can be incredibly happy with that performance if you're Team Canada, um, especially being the, you know, the first game back after two years. You know, it's, you know, an incredibly short week for them. Like they have to, you're back at it just on Friday. So, you know, it'll be a short week, but ultimately I kind of, like, I think they can be happy with that performance, right? So, um, you know, Stu, do you have any any additional thoughts there on uh, on on the game or any, any players that you want to shout out that I, I did not mention or any, any individual plays throughout the game that uh, you want to talk about? Or I'll be honest, I think you hit the nail on the head for everything that needs to be mentioned. Um, I did uh, admire – I can't remember – the American players, because I think there was like three of them, but their push on the defense in the second half, where they were able to read the plays and just get in the middle of what Canada were doing. Like I said, they caught they caught a few intercept passes, and obviously Canada had the wherewithal to have like three uh, players back, so they would have it covered. But you know, it shows that the ambition is there from the United States. And while we are saying that, oh, yeah, Canada, they're third in the world, the USA are sixth. They're not that far behind. It's not. It's a fun rivalry. But I mean, both, team, yeah. both teams being good is part of what makes both, you know, these these games so fun to watch yeah. as well. It's just because they are, they are you know, two of the, better, the best teams in the world and in the women's game, which does kind of add to, you know, the intrigue of it. And. You know, I'm sure the uh, now that kind of I, I don't know, I guess the uh, the rust got shaken off pretty quick, um, you know, on Monday night. And they got to be back at it on Friday before, uh, you know, Canada's going uh, overseas to play a couple of games as well. Um, and I think like that'll be like the big test to kind of see, like, because obviously, you know, as a they haven't been able to play together as a team in quite some time due to COVID, but, you know, as you, this is um, full out preparation for the, the, the 20, what are they calling it? The 20 rugby world cup, 2021, but played in 2022 or something. Yeah. Some weird, goofy uh, it, it's like the, it's like the Poland. Euros. It, it's Euros 2020, but they played in 2021. So I, yeah, I'm but, just, calling, uh, yeah. I'm just calling it the women's world cup. Yeah. The, the world cup. Everyone the, knows what I'm on about. Yeah, exactly. And, so you got to go prepare for the world cup um, next year. So like you're in full like preparation mode. And I think, the the big one, like you said, it's 
you know, if you if they can come back, have another good performance against the United States on Friday night, um, and then you know that's kind of that sets up the big one um, with you know the number one team in the world in England, right? So yeah, that'll be the good. That'll be um, not to look past the United States, but that's going to be a really good benchmark to see where everybody's kind of at. Um, and you know, that'll be a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun. Um, and also like, I mean, I think on the side thing too, is, is like in talking about this, it's like, it's awesome that TSN is broadcasting all these women's international games. Um, yeah. yeah, Like if, well, first of all, showing any rugby on TSN is delightful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, if, if, uh, you missed the first game and you want to catch the second one, like we said, um, second game is, uh, November 5th and yeah. will be on the TSN and app as, or TSN.ca as will all the women's autumn international championship games, which include things like France versus South Africa, mm. England versus New Zealand, again, um, Wales and Japan, Ireland and the United States. Um, interesting to note that um, Canada's games against England on November 14th and Wales on November 21st are currently listed as TBD. Now, I'll say they probably will be on the TSN app or the TSN website, but could this mean that we are seeing women's rugby, especially Canadian women's rugby, on TSN as a channel? Who knows? We'll have to yeah. find. As I say, it's to be decided. Yeah, it, so it, it, is, it is. It is. It is kind of weird how if you look at the uh, the women's rugby schedule right now on TSN, every single game says TSN.ca slash the app, and then. Canada was it Canada England Canada Wales say TBD yeah uh, England Canada and Wales Canada yeah hopefully that's a good thing I think it is a good thing I'm I'm thinking that so the game against England will be 9 30 a.m eastern time so you know early in the morning I doubt there's a hockey match at 9 30 a.m but like we said you can watch these games on the TSN app or website now, from Rugby Union to Rugby League, because there's been an announcement by the Toronto Wolfpack this morning. Uh, the Wolfpack has announced that their Canada Cup, so their game that they had against DC Calvary earlier this year, um, is set to become a four-team event, with the event scheduled to take part in May 2022. Um, they said there are more details to follow, and there's no word yet on if it is linked to NARL, which is the North American Rugby League, which was supposed to set up in 2021. COVID delayed that to 2022, apparently. Um, However, there is an article from uh, TicketCo, which is saying about um, the NARL has partnered with them to do their tickets for hybrid matches to ensure all clubs in the new league will go cashless. And it's the first entry for TicketCo into a major U.S. market. And it says there that the brand new NARL is set to launch in May 2022. Again, we don't have any further details at this point. It could be a combination. It could be part of the NARL or the Canadian Cup could be a uh, preseason opening fixtures. We've yet to see. But like we say, more details to follow. But staying on the topic of... I was going to say, I think... um... I, I think what you just said there is like 15 times longer than what their announcement actually was. <laughs> their, their, their announcement was literally like the one sentence, I think. It's the shortest PR announcement I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, well, that's the thing. Wolfpack, if you're looking for a hype man, cool. <laughs> Still, um, yeah. I don't know. I, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm always, I don't know. I've been kind of like a lot of the NARL stuff. It's like kind of just. I don't know. I have a hard time getting excited for it just because I feel like almost everything that they said they were going to do just hasn't come to fruition. Well, speaking so. of, a, of a rugby league entity that was doing plans that didn't come to fruition, uh, Ottawa Aces. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, that's kind of my point, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, we, we announced uh, last week uh, in a previous episode, I should say, that the Ottawa Aces were moving back to England and mm. dissolving their space in Ottawa. They have now announced that they have moved to Cornwall, which is southwest England, for those of you who uh, didn't study English geography. And they have rebranded as Cornwall RLFC. And, you know, it's obviously disappointing, but maybe it could be a similar situation to the Wolfpack in the sense of a new club emerges with the Ottawa Aces name. And Eh, you can have another rugby league team. Again, I'm not holding my breath. I'm just saying. That's 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 the thing, though. It's like, I. I wouldn't be holding my breath. Like I don't think that makes 
I don't know. I just feel like everything that like because the NRL had like the big announcement last year and they were like, we're going to start playing games. And then like half the league was like or the Western, the entire Western Conference was like, now nah, we're probably not going to play. And then the same thing with the East. And now Ottawa's Ottawa's relocating back to the UK before they even ever played a game. They were supposed to be the opponent for that Canada Cup game. And then now they're not. Are, and now they're obviously not, and they obviously relocated back to um, the UK. And then I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like I want to maybe be excited for. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I just can't bring myself to to get excited about NARL stuff just because nothing, nothing that they've said seems to have ever happened. Yeah, I know. You, I know that time is just a social construct, but. All that you just said that NARL wanted to do happened this year. I know. Oh, that's so, it. That's the whole thing. Not, not even the last year. This year. Existence. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to get back to, uh, you know, the sport we know, rugby union. Um, and we're going to head out uh, west because it has been another round of the Coastal Cup. So the Pride versus Trinity Western. Pride put in a phenomenal performance. Uh, 46-17 was the final result. Now, in the Battle of the Beaches, he had the Tide versus the Wave. And by one point, the Vancouver Wave took the victory, 24 to 25. And then we had uh, Uvic versus Van East. Uvic, you know, staunch performance, but obviously Van East pulled it out. Um, Uvic 15 and Van East 27. Uh, you can watch all those fixtures on uh, the Coastal Cup YouTube channel. And you can watch the upcoming fixtures as well, which will be this Saturday, which is Trinity Western versus Tide, uh, Vancouver East versus UBC, and the Wave versus Uvic. Yeah, and uh, Stu, have you uh, have you t- uh, taken a look at the Coastal Cup standings as of last oh, week? Oh, I have, and it is it's uh, you know very uh, very tight at the top to put it lightly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it is. Um, like so, the pride this week, as you kind of just mentioned, they have a bye week. So now the the format of the Coastal Cup was set up to be um, essentially there was you know seven teams. It's a round robin tournament, right? With the champion just kind of being the team that finishes at the top of the table, right? So if you look at the standings right now, um, you have two teams that have four wins, right? So you got the um, the Pacific Pride is sitting at 4 0 and 1, right? If they have the one tie against UBC, right? 22 table points. And then you have the Vancouver Wave sitting at 4 and 0, right? With 18 table points. They, as you mentioned, narrowly defeating um, the Crimson Tide this week. So the, um, excuse me. So Vancouver. This weekend, the Vancouver Wave are going to play UVic. And if you look at the schedule, November 13th, the last week of the Coastal Cup, is I know it's just a round-robin tournament, and technically we don't get a championship game. But if the Vancouver Wave beat UVic, we get a championship game. (laughs) Because the Pride and Vancouver Wave are playing each other in the last week of the season. You, so you whoever made whoever made this Coastal Cup schedule, just well done. I don't know if you had the crystal ball out, but th- th- this is amazing. It's setting up uh, quite the quite the amazing finish um, for this season here. So you know we'll we'll see what happens. Um, the the wave have obviously just been absolutely rolling. Um, you know throughout this season, the Pacific Pride. Um, have have been playing great too, but you know Uvic Uvic currently sitting at one and four, so obviously like you know they're looking to you know and you know close out their season with some positivity as well. But um, you know it, it could set up quite the uh, quite the final the final week here, and then obviously you know Van, Van East and you you Van East and UBC might still I'm bad at math Van East might still be in striking distance of this um, UBC maybe. A, had too far but ubc is too far behind um yeah. but uh i think i think if it, it's the case of like vancouver win van east would need to get like bonus point victories yeah yeah exactly so 
But I mean, that being said, though, it's like obviously, you know, the Pacific Pride of have played five games already. So they get the bye week this week. So we know, you know, how we know what they're going to be kind of if if Van, if um, the wave win, that will bring them to 22 points, maybe 25 or sorry, 22 points, maybe 23 if they, you know, get a bonus point, um, which would likely mean that essentially the wave versus Pacific Pride game is going to. In a round robin tournament, we may end up with an actual championship game. So that's a uh, you know pretty ex- pretty exciting prospects for uh, your uh, November fifth November thirteenth afternoon. It's going to be fun for anyone who lives in uh, on the Pacific Coast. It's going to be fun for everybody with access to YouTube. Exactly, but this is the thing: they wake up at the crack of dawn to watch uh, the Autumn Internationals in uh, Europe, and then. At a more reasonable time of uh, 1 p.m., they can watch the... Uh... Dude, man, that was the one thing. Like, I completely agree with that. It's like when I went to... When I was visiting my brother, I am so jealous of that entire time zone. Like, I think, like, we woke up, like, in the morning on Sunday, just having breakfast, and it's like football starts at 10 a.m. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, there's sports on at, like, you know, every... Like, nothing... Everything happens just at, like, a much nicer hour. Almost. And you know what? Like, even at that, too, I think I woke up at like, I was up by like, I couldn't, I couldn't adjust to the time zone. I had a hard time doing that. I think I woke up at like six, which I know doesn't sound that early or whatever to a lot of people, but it feels early to me, you know? Um, it's, it's early on the Sunday. Yeah, exactly. It's early on the Sunday. But I was, it's early when you're on vacation. But it was like, yeah, I can turn on like Premiership Rugby at like 6 a.m. Football starts at 10. You know, hockey games all day long. It's that time zone for sports viewing is great. Well, as a Brit that's come over to uh, Toronto, is now waking up and at night nine a.m. is Test rugby instead of yeah two in the afternoon. So I get entirely where you're coming from. Yeah, no, it's kind of nice watching sports in the morning. It's actually it's quite an enjoyable thing. And then you have the entire day to just enjoy yourself this is a massive tangent to, to either enjoy the victory or drown your losses in yeah exactly whichever alcohol speaking of which what game speaking we're of drowning with, losses uh, i was going to say speaking of watching sports in the morning but you went with the much darker the much darker tone on that canada portugal this weekend yeah so uh so canada will be playing at portugal at what would be uh three o'clock in um, Portugal, which will therefore mean it's a 11 a.m. East Coast time. Kick. Hold on, I think so, it's 10. Oh, it's because of daylight saving. So it's actually, there's only a four-hour difference. Oh. It's a four-hour difference for the Saturday and then a five-hour difference for the Sunday. Right. Is that is that what it is, daylight savings? I, gotta, I always forget when daylight savings time is. Well, that's it. We're, in the digital age, everything updates automatically. Updates so it doesn't matter. Anymore. I know, but it's still annoying. It's such an annoying concept to me. So speaking of the only thing that's been announced for this game so far is that Frank Murphy of Ireland is going to be the referee. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So we don't know. We don't have what the lineup. The yeah, at, at the time we we're recording. The, we don't have yeah, at the time of recording, which means by the time this goes out, Probably. you'll already have the knowledge and will have already tweeted about it. <laughs> um squad's yet to be announced for either side. Um broadcast deal is yet to be announced for either side. Um and I think because of that, and also because of not qualifying for the World Cup, I'm, I'm, I'm I've got really nothing to say about that. <laughs> Derek, do you, do you have anything? Yeah, I think, I think a couple episodes ago, I was like, I believe it was probably the episode after they got eliminated. I don't know. Most of the episodes we've been doing lately feel angry. Um, but yeah, I believe it was the episode after we got, and it was kind of like we're kind of talking about these two games. And I think I said this like, how excited? Like, so I'll revisit the question is like, how excited are you for this game? I think I've already given my answer. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's it's tough. It feels like this game is, I find interesting. So, it's like, I've been kind of trying to think about it. And this game almost feels like that, that game, like, if you, are like if you you know if you watch like hockey or football or basketball or something, it feels like 
the next game after your team got mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, if you're like, you know, if you're watching hockey and it's like your team's mathematically out, but there's still seven games left and you know, you're probably going to watch those remaining seven games, but they just don't necessarily have the, the excitement for them. The anticipation is not necessarily there. I think that's kind of how I feel about this, but I, you know, it's just, it's the game after you got eliminated from the world cup. Right. So it's, but you know, I think in a weird way, I've been kind of thinking about this this week and I don't know, maybe I'm nuts. You can tell me if I'm nuts. I feel like this might actually be a pretty big game for rugby Canada and maybe not in, maybe not in the sense of like, you know, a lot's going to necessarily happen from this, but like, you know what I mean? Or it's not, it's not like big in the sense that, yeah, they, if they win this game, they magically get to re-enter qualification. They get yeah. to take Portugal's spot as in the <laughs> European qualification if they win this. It's not how it works. So it's not necessarily big in the fact that there's maybe not something tangible on the line, right? Like there was in that game against Chile or the games against the United States. But I feel like, you know, for the players on this team, like I feel like this game and even the one against Belgium is an opportunity to potentially end what realistically is just an absolutely terrible year on a little bit of a high note. Like if you can actually, if you can get the win. And I think it's, you know, just for the players, especially, I mean, you have some guys obviously like Corey Thomas or Connor keys, Matt Heaton, um, you know, Quinn Nawadi guys that had like, you know, played on some playoff teams in major league rugby, had some success at the club level this season. Um, but you also have a lot of guys that did not have success at the club level this season. Right. And then, you know, went on to probably have, you know, one of, I would assume like for a lot of those guys playing that game against Chile is probably one of the most disappointing games of their careers. Right. And you know, I think I think just maybe like emotionally or mentally, I feel like a win in this game could potentially go a long way for just the group of players. Yeah. I don't know. Does that sound does that sound ridiculous or does that, does no, that sound I, off? I base can see or? where it comes from in that yeah. Like the players need this the players win need need this win, I feel like to be to be like, yeah. look, St. John's wasn't just a flash in the pan, we can win and we can win convincingly as yeah. well you need I, some... I i still i'm still gonna go on record and say um kingsley jones needs to go alan vanson needs to go and until that happens and until no. different coaching structure comes in then even... we're just gonna be repeating the same insanity uh, process yeah. i i yeah i mean i agree with that too um I think, though, too, like, that's going to be the other thing, right? Is it's like, from that perspective as well, every game that Rugby Canada loses, if I work for Rugby Canada, I'm probably not checking social media after a game that they lose. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, earlier this week, too, though, right, there was that Neil Davidson article where Alan Vanson kind of gave Kingsley Jones, like, the vote of confidence to say <sighs> that he's the coach going forward, right? So. Um, he's the coach going and, but, but that's, that's kind of the thing, right? Is if, if they do lose, that's a lot, that's a lot tougher to, to accept if they're still losing. Right. So, I mean, well, they are supposed to be doing this, um, review in performance review, yeah, yeah. performance review, which is not only just the men's 15s team, it's the men's sevens team, the women's sevens team again, though, like, I mean, I think even you go back even a month ago, how mad everybody was at the Premier Sports thing, right? And then they beat the United States on Premier Sports and everyone calmed down about it for like a week and then they lost again and everyone was like, I hate Premier Sports, right? It's like a, a win. I, I, it's not going to solve everything, but it might cool the temperature down a little bit if you win too. Um, that doesn't mean change shouldn't be happening. It just means... Might change might be happening quicker if they lose. Change might happen quicker if they lose. Yeah, but that's I. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like 
maybe none of this makes any sense. Maybe this is just completely off base, but it's like I feel like the I feel like the player for the players. I I I do think that it's like they're definitely. I'm surprised, like Alan Van, Alan Vincent saying that you know Kingsley Jones is the coach going forward. I gave him the full vote of confidence in that Neil Davidson article. Um, so I guess he's the coach going forward, right? So, um, which which does surprise me personally, but um, I think for the players, I mean, I just I I feel like for the players themselves, like they need a win just yeah. for confidence for like so in that point of view it is i mean we'll see what happens um right like we'll see what happens we'll see uh i mean if it is a loss we'll see if that does i mean i feel like it's not going to do anything though to be honest with you as far as coaching change i feel like i feel like rugby ken has made it pretty clear that it's probably not on the card so but for that reason too it's like you also it's like it's not going to I don't think the uh, the temperature of the fan base is going to cool quite that I don't much, think the great Canadian win. winter can cool the Canadian rugby fan base at yeah, this point. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I just hope that in a week's time when we're recording the next part, we can talk about Canada having consecutive victories, both in the women and in the men's Yeah, game. that'd be day, cool. Day to day, yeah. But we will have to wait until next week for that to happen. Meanwhile, in other MLR news, there has been a lot going on. Um, the other teams, really, uh, as we said, at the time of recording, there's uh, been no development from the Toronto Rowers, with the exception that they are announced as the sponsor partner for the Canadian University Men's Rugby Championship. Which has happening at the end of the month, end of the November kicks off at the end of november so that'll be exciting yeah absolutely um so we're gonna head we're gonna head back to the pacific coast because we've got some news from uh everyone's favorite cocktail the la guiltinis everyone's everyone's uh favorite coastal cocktail of course because uh (laughs) gilgronies are completely uh in their state anyway segue um so from where else australia um nrl legend will chambers is changing codes and moving Mm. over to la you know filling the uh playing gap left by adam ashley cooper who as we know has joined as a senior coach um but speaking of uh rugby legends in uh, los angeles it's been announced that todd cleaver has joined la as a new head of strategic partnerships Mm -hmm. so another addition um to the backroom staff so yeah, and obviously we've seen LA making like big announcements last year and at the start of this year, and obviously it paid dividends at the end. And, you know, I think we've seen that LA can bring in fans and can bring in um, new new fans in terms of neutrals by the atmosphere and event status they generate. So I think that this will be a great signing and have yeah. them tradition from being casual fans into um stronger rugby fans so i think it'll be a great development yeah i mean it's it's nice to see mlr teams too like keeping you know some of the uh the north american legends around um obviously too like clever i know like he was involved with the uh the austin franchise when they you know first started going as he you know he played with the austin huns and then was you know involved with the uh the elite herd um i'm not sure if he was still around when they changed the 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 name to the Gilgronies. I can't quite recall that. Um, but it's like, you know, he's been involved in MLR and then obviously, you know, he was a, you know, part of a lot of the uh, Giltini's broadcasts last year as well. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's been around the, around the, uh, the team quite a bit. So um, it, it's a move that, that does make a lot of sense and, you know, hope, hopefully it kind of works out. It's nice to see a, you know, a guy like clever sticking around in uh, MLR, even though obviously not as a playing capacity, but, you know, it's a big name in American rugby, so it helps. Uh, I think uh, it's good. Good move. I think helps helps grow the fan base that way. Okay, from LA we go to NOLA or NOLA as they prefer to be. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, I feel I'll, I'll like I want to edit that joke out, but I feel like it's so bad that people need to hear it. They, they need they need to suffer as you've suffered. Yeah, so. exactly. That's the only reason I'm going to leave it in is so somebody Any- else has to groan like I just did. Anyway, we have two new additions to Nola Gold. We have Taylor 
Crumray, who has joined NOLA from the Seattle Seawolves. And they've also signed Chase Shaw Haskin from Rooney. Now, he uh, Chase was one of the draft picks from the MLR draft, and he has been signed in exchange for one foreign player slot for Rooney's. The Rooney's uh, player allocation goes from 10 to 11 mm. for the 2022 season. Um, in Dallas, also, I am a- Before we kind of move on, though, I just think like that that Crumray signing, I think is, is really nice. Like, I mean, I know he obviously missed all of last year, but, you know, back-to-back champion with Seattle. And I mean, for a team that just traded Kyle Bailey, right? Like that is an immediate replacement for him right so that's a i think i think based on based on the fact that you know the squad you know they had to deal kyle bailey um then you know picking up crumray like that's that's an unreal pickup for uh for them after it's a perfect perfect replacement for bailey uh, i say it's a great replacement i still think that toronto came out oh toronto wins that trade oh toronto yeah, exactly. 100% wins that trade but that's a good that's a good guy to bring in um and so in uh, in Dallas, I'm definitely going to butcher this name, and my apologies. Aymere Oyem Honlan has joined the Dallas Jackals, um, heading over to New England. Um, we've talked about NOLA. They've signed a player from NOLA and a fan favorite as well. Holden Youngert has joined uh, New England from the NOLA Gold. Um, also joining New England is Jack Reeves. Now, if you don't recognize that name in MLR, that's because he is with Gloucester Rugby Football Club in the Premiership. He is joining on loan for the season. So, you know, we're having, um, you know, a new relationship maybe formed between a MLR team and a Premiership team. You know, we never know what can happen. Know. Um, um, I, from, I mean- from England to New England. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I like the what the Free Jacks have been doing this offseason. I really I do like this this younger signing. Man, they got, I mean, they already have John Pole in there, and then you know um, they, they already have John Pole in there, and they have uh, Sean Yakubin as well, um, Yakubin. Um, and you know, so that's just absolute depth at scrum half. Um, you know, so I think I, I think it's it's a beauty pickup for them too right just because like that's a very key position you got three guys that can probably that can play at that mlr level and i think also too you know i don't know if this is on purpose but i noticed it and it made me smile shout out to both the nola gold and new england free jacks for when they made their like holding younger posts they both i don't know if it was on purpose but if it was I love it, but if it wasn't, it's still kind of cool for picking pictures of younger holding a New England Free Jacks ball. I don't yeah. know if they, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I thought it was kind of cool to see all the uh, all the younger stuff going to New England and throwing a Free Jack ball in every single picture. So that's a uh, well done to the social media teams that came up with that. If it was on purpose, if not, still well done. I think I think they'll take credit and say, "Yep, that definitely yeah, planned." Yeah, exactly. That was the smart. What we're going to tell you. Excellent choice of picture. Um, and also in Houston, we know that uh, they've had some signings from uh, South Africa in their coaching department, but now they've got one for the team as well. And this is another name I'm going to butcher, and I do apologize. Uh, Jaco Bezoidenhout has joined Houston from the Blue Bulls, coming off a Curry Cup performance of this year. So, you know, more South Africans coming over and um, joining the squad. I think that's good. Um, Now, we have some other MLR news, but this is big MLR news because the first MLR player has been inducted to the World Rugby Hall of Fame. Now, I may be uh, overselling MLR's importance in this because um, who we're talking about is an Olympic gold medalist and has played for the Fiji 7 over 260 appearances for the Fiji 7s team. And he has played, but he's also played in for the Houston Sabercats and Old Glory DC. And that is Osei Kolonisau, who um, was announced on. So, so it was announced this week as having joined the World Rugby Hall of Fame uh, along with. Humphrey Kayanje, Hariana Manuel, Cheryl McAfee, Will Carling, and Jim Telfer. You know, only six names are usually added each year, so 
this is one of the big announcements. And yeah, I I mean, I've already said it. He's over 260 appearances for the Fiji Sevens team. Yes. That includes the Olympics team that won uh, Fiji's first ever gold medal in 2016. Don't need to mention who they were playing in the final. Um, and <laughs> and you know, I, it's it's cool to see. It is. It's cool. And MLR because that's yeah. the thing. I I don't know if he's been announced of still playing in MLR next year, but you know, he played this year. He had two appearances for, yeah, for DC, which is which is enough. That's enough. He's a current MLR player and he's a Hall of Famer. So yeah, that, that's how the match works. I don't know how much the uh, the Saber Cats portion or the Old Glory portion of his career really has anything to do with his inductions. Probably because he's one of the best Fijian sevens players of all time, one of the best sevens players of all time. Period. Um, so that probably has more to do with it. But it is just a cool thing to be like, yeah, he's getting in. You know, a player that played in MLR is getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. I mean, in all reality, the longer that this this league is around, especially like obviously guys like Nanu, like Nanu, yeah. when whenever he decides like he's getting in um right like there's there's gonna be more guys that are in the world rugby hall of fame that have had um mlr experience but it's it's just you know it's kind of cool to see the induction ceremony and be like oh hey it's like seen that guy play live now it's kind of fun <laughs> yeah well especially i mean talking about um players when they decide to hang up the boots is i'm sure adam ashley cooper will be uh making his addition to the hall of fame in a few mm. years time no doubt about it See, yeah. um also also out of curiosity do you know like what are the rules for like getting into the world rugby hall of fame because uh, i know like when i worked at the I'm hockey not, hall of fame I'm, like you had to be retired for like three years obviously that's not a like but the definition of like retiring was literally like you cannot have played a hockey game in the past three years that's why like a guy like yager is still not in the hall of fame because he keeps playing um, I don't think there is any certain criteria because in the World Rugby Hall of Fame, you have, like, for example, the initial inductees are William Webb Ellis, a person who, by all historical accounts, did not exist, and uh, yeah. Rugby School, which did. Um, but then you also have the 1888 to 89 New Zealand native football team. Um, you have Melrose Rugby Football Club. And then as the years go on, you get more. Yeah, like, so they, they inducted some teams and stuff. So, yeah, so there's nothing, you know, nailed I don't know. I was on. Just curious. There's no nailed on definition, I should explain. Yeah, I was, I was just kind of curious or whatever. I knew. Like, so, I was just, just from working at a Hall of Fame, I was kind of like, there's some like strict induction rules and stuff sometimes. I, I haven't looked into it, but I was, I don't know. I was just curious if you knew anything since we were on the uh, the topic of conversation here. But yeah, I'm, regardless. Well, I don't think there's been any established. Then again, the World Rugby Hall of Fame has only been around since 2006. Yeah, like it's newer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Some years will have. So at the start, there were, you know, an unlimited cap on how many inductees you can have. Like 2011 had an arm's length full Mm -hmm. of inductees. Obviously, to fill out the uh, museum, obviously, because you just have loads yeah. of wings which are just empty. And then you obviously get now to 10 years later, 2021, and it's now standard fare to have like six names and then one. And if you're going to add a team or like an institution, say like say like in the future, Twickenham Stadium gets added to the World Rugby Hall of Fame, that'll be an, an extra one on top of the six. <laughs> so but I feel like... It's actually kind of interesting that you're saying that because the Hockey Hall of Fame did that too. Like the class of 1962 in the Hockey Hall of Fame is like trying to remember the exact number, but it's like a full hockey team worth of players that got inducted just to catch up on everybody. Yeah, even in uh, 2019, which was the last time uh, players were inducted into the Hall of Fame, Mm. there were only six names before then. 2018, it was... Uh, five names, 2017, five names. So, you know, I've, I don't think there's any like set number. I think it's obviously like, oh, if we induct 15 players each year at a time, we're going to run out of space pretty quickly. <laughs> no, it's um, not about space though. It's about on, honoring the people that deserve to have their career. Well, well, it's more about like it's space in the future. So it's yeah. like, okay, we're going to induct this guy who only got one cap and then never mm-hmm. played again. Um but either way, I, well, you know, you ever know in like uh, 20, 30 years time, they may say like, okay, 
this is the requirement for entering the Hall of Fame, but for now, not. And anyway, you can watch any of these future Hall of Famers um, oh, on your screens hit. So nice segue. Perfect segue. Um, so as we mentioned before, you can watch the Coastal Cup on YouTube. Um, in Over in England, the premiership is still going on, and you can catch that on Sportsnet. Um, at the same time, it is also the Autumn Nation series, which will be on zone, and the women's internationals, as we mentioned before, are going to be on tsn.ca or the TSN app. To and, and like we said, it's still to be decided on if uh, the Canada women's games against England and Wales will be on TSN uh, channels, or but it's probably going to be on tsn.ca and the TSN app as well. So as long as you have internet access, I'm sure you'll be able to watch those games. Right, I think we can end the podcast there. Like I said, it's been a very quiet week on the rugby front, especially out here in Toronto. Um, If you want to listen to any other of our episodes, you can listen on Anchor FM or Spotify at The Rouge Rugby. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Rouge Rugby. Derek, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, how should they do that? I just app or set the jet across basically every social media platform pretty easy to find fair enough and if you want to find me you can find me on twitter and instagram my handle is hardman spelled h number four r-d-m-a-n well thank you so much for listening and derek thank you so much for joining me and we hope that you can join us on the next episode go canada